On this episode of A State of Control, we're going to talk about the future of AV programming, where you should go if you're just now getting into the business, and the death of the middle class programmer. All that and more, next on A State of Control. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. A State of Control is brought to you by our fine group of underwriters, companies like Middle Atlantic. A State of Control. This is A State of Control, episode 21, reported Wednesday, October 28, 2015. Gold Rush. This is A State of Control, the monthly look at control and automation for the AV community by AV Nation. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host with us this month is Mr. Control Concepts himself. His name is Steve Greenblatt. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Glad to be back. Indeed. And also with us, uh, Uncle Richie, the guy I got to see for the second time in my life in real meat space uh, at Cedia a couple weeks ago. How are you, sir? Good, good. Glad to be back off of uh, quasi-hiatus and uh, getting a chance to, to chat with you fine gentlemen. Well, you know, it's not like any of us are busy or anything. So No. no. <laughs> The one thing is, and, and it, we're, what we're going to do on, on this month's episode, just so you know, as, as you're listening here, uh, we're just going to kind of commiserate, honestly, the three of us. Uh, we, we, we all get busy. And I'm, I'm, I say, you know, we're not busy, kind of tongue in cheek. Um, right now, the, everybody that we called was, was like, oh my gosh, I can't do it right now. I can't do it this week or next week or the, or the week after that. Uh, I was talking with uh, some friends of ours. Um, yeah, one of the integrators that, that helps us out and, and, and a number of their folks have been on uh, actually this podcast and some others they have something in the neighborhood of I don't know, a thousand hours of programming to do in the next three months it's like, okay sure, ask them, how are you doing that? You know, a whole lot of no sleep um, so first thing is 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 what we're going to do is we're just talking about um, business cycles, right? Business cycles for us, business cycles for folks who, who work and live in this whole programming uh, area um, because education, they have their peaks and valleys, right? Uh, when I was a tech manager, you would work your tail off June, July, and August, and you, and you had a set deadline. You knew good and well that the first day or two of, of classes, and you, that, was your, that was your goal, that was your deadline. Once that first couple of days hit, though, not saying that we didn't do anything the, during the semester, but we didn't do anything during the semester. I mean, you, you, you kind of had it easy. You, you, you know, you. I'm gonna get hate mail now from tech managers, but you know, you, you kind of got ready for you know, the winter, right? You, you, you fix things as they broke. You were kind of a fireman, and then you kind of got ready for the winter. And the same thing during the winter. During the winter break, you, you had a couple of weeks there that you. You just worked your tail off, and then you had that that set date, and then during the spring again, you started getting ready for for the summer install. We don't really have that in in control world. Um, there's not because 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 we, we were in so many different areas. We're in education. We're in corporate. We're in 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 um, government, right? And government has their own buying season. Um, but Steve, we'll start with you on this. It, 
how do you plan, I guess? How do you plan for training? How do you plan for education? How do you plan for manpower when you're not really sure the ups and downs that you're going to have over the course of the year? Definitely not an easy task. Um, We do have a little bit of a sense and we do try to follow some trends and try to stay in touch with our our customers. Uh, uh, And we know that the summer is typically a busy time because of the type of business we do. Um, so, so we try to reserve that time. We try to encourage vacations and, 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 and other things in the winter when we know we, we, we have a little bit more of a relaxed schedule probably from February till, till April or May, although you know, we hope it doesn't last too long. <laughs> but uh, you know, the, it, it is, uh, it, it's important actually to, to, to try to pace those different types of activities. And, and when you have a team too, you, you have to stagger the training. You, you can't have your whole team go all at once because it, you can't have nobody manning the ship. So it, it's, uh, it's important to, to do some forecasting. It's important to, to have and manage a schedule really on a daily basis and, and try to fill in those blanks and take advantage of, even if it's a day or a half a day or even a couple hours, ha- have your list of things that, that you need to do whether it's something having to do with maintenance, whether it's a pet project, uh, whether it's some R&D, or, or whether it's some time of non-schedule-based training, whether it's you know on-demand training or so forth. When, when we're talking about classroom training, those have to be scheduled as even as though they're a project. You, you plan for them in advance, you put them on your calendar, and you, and you work around them. I, I actually have for myself a, a big 12-month calendar I started doing where I can look at what are the things that I know that I have to work around within the year and then try to fill in the gaps with, with other types of commitments, events, and, and, uh, and, and I guess activities that, that I, I know I can plan for. All right, Mr. Fergoza, how do you then, in, 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 in a different area, um, you, Steve does a lot of, of corporate and higher ed, you do a lot of, of resi, uh, residential. How do you budget? for that how do you budget manpower how do you budget money how do you budget time without knowing some of these certain things is it like steve said having a a 12-month calendar in front of you yeah i mean i think also if if you've been in business long enough you're going to spot your own trends okay uh and just historically i I mean i know for a fact that you know i mean there's been periods in my career where we were 90 10 residential we were periods where we were 90 10 commercial um, and, you know, and you, you kind of see where your trends go in between residential, um, you know, we follow the construction cycle. It's just, it's as the construction cycle goes, we go. So we know typically around major holidays, um, we're going to see, uh, things peaking up because for whatever masochistic reason, people set these as milestones. You know, you've got major holidays that people said, you know, where they're, they've got their July 4th or their Thanksgiving or their Christmas or, um, you know, that we, you know, or, or a wedding or something. So, you know, you, you, you hope that you do your best work possible from a planning standpoint. Um, you give yourself enough of a cushion. And I think more importantly, um, you know, there's that sports term is you, you learn to start playing within yourself. Uh, and I think that's where a lot of companies wind up getting in trouble, which is that they, um, feel that they've got to cram all the business in and make sure that they're set. And, and next thing they know, they potentially get overwhelmed and then a lot of your work goes down. I mean, it's, it's, it's all of these things. It's, it's, um, from a planning standpoint, we look at 
making sure that any project we take on, um, can we handle an, an, another project at the same time, consecutively, you know, or concurrently, um, and maintain the quality of our work? That's the first question that I always ask, uh, because if we can't, then we're ultimately not going to get that next referral, and 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 we work almost exclusively on referral at this point. So, um, you know, I've said it time and time again. Sometimes the best job you get is the one you say no to. Um, and, and especially when it comes to the control systems programming, because everybody's on a deadline, right? You know, I mean, it's, you've got all the trades that come in, you've got the construction trade, you've got everything, you've got electrical, and then invariably what happens? Integrator comes in, their timeline that they spent a year mapping out or six months mapping out and going, we've got it all set. Next thing you know, that gets compressed to six weeks. Everybody's going completely nuts. Next thing you know, you get the call where you've been on the schedule for X amount of time, and then, you know, well... They've got a board meeting or, you know, they've, they've got a shareholders meeting or, you know, we, we've got something else coming up and we need to be ready in three and a half weeks. Um, you know, you, you got to start doing your disaster planning <laughs> from in, in this side of the business. And, and um, I think that, again, speaking specifically to the control systems programming side of things and the facilitation side of things, um, you have to be very, very good at crisis management from the beginning. You have to treat your projects from a crisis management standpoint. From the beginning, though? Um, I mean, it, it doesn't that – the reason I, I'm saying that, right, is it seems very stressful <laughs> to, to, to treat it like that it from the very it beginning. It, 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 it absolutely is. And, again, I mean, this is kind of straight talk Uncle Richie, but, um, you know, it's like if, if you are the type of person who thrives in – order and consistency and, you know, everything following A, B, C to D, um, you might not want to be in this business um, because the the fact is, is that this business, good, bad, or indifferent, you know, I mean, we, we will put out best practice. And again, I, I'm, I'm not advocating against best practices. I'm not advocating against documentation and scheduling and standing your ground from that, from that standpoint. But in terms of the day-to-day in the trenches, because I'm still one of those guys in the trenches. I'm still one of those guys that, you know, occasionally gets on a plane and sets a laptop on a, you know, a fold-out table, and, and I'm running around with guys going, is that on, is that on, is that on? Um, there, 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 there is, from a business standpoint, you know, because again, we're facilitators. We 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 bridge that gap, right? And you know, it's good. I I can now get my name back. I'm a digital concierge, right? My job is to get all of the stuff that somebody put in down and refined to the point that somebody goes, "Oh, wow, that's cool and easy." Mm-hmm. You know, Steve does the same thing from the commercial standpoint. We we are that glue, and in order to be that glue, you've got to be the first one who can adapt, improvise, and overcome. Um, having a plan is great. More important than the plan, though, is having your contingencies for when something goes wrong. Not if, because it's it's invariably when. And you're always going to have that one big thing in a project. That's always been my feeling. You know, historically, there's always that one big thing. You don't know when it is. You don't know what it is. You just know it's going to be waiting out there. And you got to be prepared for it because, again, you've got to hit a deadline. And and you've got to make sure. I mean, Tim, I not to bring up a sore subject, no. but you wrote a blog about this. Yeah. Right? You know, again. The best laid plans, right? Amen, brother. You couldn't plan for sickness. No. How, how do you plan for illness, right? 
but the deadline doesn't change. And that's the reality. So when they get compressed. So now, what can you do to minimize that is what is exactly what Steve was talking about. You have your 12-month plan. You try to lay everybody up in a row. And, you know, if you do long enough and well enough and, and you get your process down and you partner with the right people, you can minimize that stress and you can flatten that stress curve. Um, but I, I do think that in some respect, the guys that are still in this are, you know, we're a bit of adrenaline junkies in, in, a, in a weird way. Um, you know, I, 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 I personally thrive on the stress. I, I live for that impossible moment um, where you challenge yourself. It's, it's bizarre, um, but it's, it's part of the fun of what we do is to be able to meet a challenge and overcome it. And I think that most people that get into the side of business, you're, we're problem solvers, right? Yeah. Isn't that really what we do, right? We solve problems. It, 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 regardless of what it is, whether it's a video conference, whether it's a TV or a screen or a clock timer or something, right? You're presented with a problem. And the reason why you're hired is you've been viewed as the best person to solve that problem. That should also extend out to how you manage your schedule and your, and your client um, expectations and managing your integrators and working and partnering together. So, I mean, kind of coming all the way back, how do I do it? I, I absolutely go into my worst case scenario. I figure out where am I possibly going to screw this up and how much can I flatten this out. And then you reach out. And when you spot the problems coming on, you hopefully have a good enough relationship with people that, that you can move and, and you can pivot. Um, but yeah, if, uh, you know, again, like I said, having, having that plan is great. Um, but there's a certain point where, you know, sometimes a plan, you just got to throw it out and, and just get the job done. Yeah. Um, and 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 putting yourself in a position to just get the job done. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, uh, Steve. A little bit uh, different um, movement here is is uh, we've talked about scheduling and this, that, and the other. One of the things that more than one integrator has has told me, uh, more than one ops manager, more than one director of operations, there still seems to be the perception. That programming is is the choke point for a lot of integrators, right? And this is whether they have their own people, or they outsource it, or they have a combination of both. Programming still seems to be, and again, I don't know if this is perception or reality. That seems to be like the the the, the bottleneck, the choke point for a lot of folks. First question: Do we is that is that accurate? And I know I'm asking a programmer, right? So they understand, <laughs> take it with a grain of salt. But is that accurate? And if it is, how do we fix that? Well, it, it it's it's certainly you know I always tell people when I talk to them that programming is one of the bigger variables in a project, and and it's not something that you you can look at it with a formula to know I have this amount of equipment or this type of a system, and it's going to require this many hours, and, and it's very cut and dry. I mean, you have a general sense, but depending on how you manage the scope, how you manage your customer, how you, how you manage the situation, and also, there's a, just like Rich said, there's a lot of things that are just out of, out of our control, no pun intended. It's uh, the, uh, the, the whole idea of a construction schedule and, and a client's needs and, and, uh, and, and other types of variables that come into play, they, they can pull a programmer, you know, in, in many different directions. And, and if, and if you're talking about a programmer who's going to be primarily working from their desk and be, and has a, a, a network that they can 
pass their program out to, they, I think that they, they can multiply their effectiveness to some extent. But if you're talking about a programmer who's going to be at a job site, there's only one place that they can be at one time. So I, I feel that, uh, that, that it is a, a significant choke point and, it, and it, it's something also that, that programming can, can extend beyond the installation of a system and often does, uh, whether you're fixing punch list items or addressing client requests and, and some of those things can evolve w and, and really not be as, uh, too predictable. So uh, having your programmer spend an extra day or two with a project is just going to cause a domino effect, especially if, if, that, if, if there's only one programmer supporting multiple projects within a company, or, or maybe, if, maybe it's a team of two, but still it's the, that, that the, it seems to be that, that, that there's less programmers to go around uh, when you're talking about the number of projects that are trying to get done at the same time. Well, and, and one of the things that we talked about, Steve and I were, were part of the the restaurant CSP um, meeting at, at Cedia, and one of the people that were on stage during it said that, you know, it, it comes to a point where you have to kind of make that decision, right, Steve, where if it's 4 o'clock, right, and you know good and well that, that you've, got, you, you've, you've got to be on site someplace else tomorrow to start a new project, and you have to work until six or seven o'clock that night, but you're going to be done, right? You're going to be finished. You can you get sign off on that. Versus, you could work until six or seven o'clock the next morning, and you're probably still not going to be done. You're still not going to get sign off for whatever reason. Who's who, don't not looking to point fingers in this conversation here, but but there there comes that point where you have to say, you know what, Th this is where we stop, right? Uh, this is where we we say this is this is the line here, and we have to do what what Rich said, which is worst case scenario, throw out the plan and, and let's go with plan B or C or D at, at that point. So uh, and sometimes it's a matter of pulling back. Yeah, and, and say let, let let's let's reassess our expectations here and what what do you need and what can I where can I get you to a point of stability? Even though we may not be at a hundred percent, you're still going to be at a place where. You, you have some you have enough operation until the point where we can come back and sometimes that also requires spending some time in the office and not being at a job site where where there are, there's a, a lot of distractions and pressures and and you know you have le less uh, capability to be effective yeah words like functionality and usability are, are used in those conversations so yeah uh, Rich, we, we've talked about this on this show. We've talked about it on, on AV Week. You've written about it. Steve has written about it. I, I may or may not have written about it. We have got, it feels like, we have a lack of programmers in this industry. And I, I say that with all due respect to the current programmers who are in this industry. Great folks. Smart folks. Some of the smartest people that I know. Um, you know, they, they, they work their butts off. They're very talented. They're very creative. Um... It's just, it just, it goes back to a little bit of the, of the bottleneck and, and the choke point. Where are we at, I guess, when it comes to uh, our workforce, when it comes to programmers? You know, are we at a point where, you know, the, the healthcare industry, they're, they're hurting for nurses? Are we hurting for programmers? I don't think we're hurting so much as we're in transition right now. Okay. Um, and, and this is... I mean, you can just see the fact that the 
the requirements of a programmer, and again, it's 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 such a kind of a misnomer at times, <laughs> you know, kind of going back to the bottleneck because it's it's if you're just slinging code, that's it. You're given a task, you do the task, you you pass it on. There's a whole lot more that's going on. You know, a lot of times you wind up being, you know, almost a job site therapist because you're bridging that that last mile, right? Um, the people that are there, I think, wind up. What winds up happening is, I think that the programmers that are out there, very few of them are able to be, um, uh, uh, to have a single purpose. They're not, they're not singular in their job responsibilities. Technically, and typically, you'll see that they're having to do a lot of things. They're having to multitask. So what's happening is that it's not that there's a lack of them. It's just that many of them are being asked to do things above and beyond what they were supposedly hired for in the first place. And so what happens is from a perception standpoint, um, that's when things start spinning out because it becomes the, oh, well, what about this? Oh, what about this? Oh, there's an issue over here. Very few companies from a contract programming standpoint, you know, that, that are maintaining staff and just providing those services, very few of them are going to be able to go to the partnership with their integrators and say, no, nope, not, not my job. You know, that's just, that's not a good partnership. Um, so what's happened is that just it just kind of industry as a whole we we haven't given the techs the ability to provide a lot of the services that necessarily a, a quote unquote programmer shouldn't even be doing i see a lot of programmers myself included spend half of our time just doing basic deployment stuff right stuff that should be passed on to mid level tech or somebody that you can train in your and and work your way through but what's happening is that's falling under the programming umbrella. So what's happening is guys are being burdened with it. Um, they're not able to do as many jobs, and and so and you're we're seeing that from the manufacturers where they're trying to push out tools that are taking you know making programless programs, <laughs> uh, you know with with the configuration. We've seen several manufacturers pushing out this year. You know their their tools to do it. Um, I think that the workforce itself. Um, you know I mean if you're going to have a programmer or somebody who's a pure code jockey. They may not necessarily be looking at this industry as a first choice. You know, again, there's there's lots of other more established programming languages and job opportunities and and larger pools to draw from um, than when you whittle down into a very specialized um, endeavor in terms of the control systems programs. I mean, again, we 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 sit in sandboxes most of the time with our stuff. Um, so I don't know if it's necessarily that there's less programmers. I think that. Um, the ones that we're getting um, are are being overburdened and or we're not finding people who are looking at this industry as potentially the resting spot if they're going to be software developers. And that, they, they might be aging out. Well, no, and that goes that goes to a different question, right? I mean, we were talking about a mutual friend of ours, um, Mr. Murray, and, and Patrick has, has taken he's a programmer in Germany and he's he's taken his his programming talents for AV and, and is kind of doing the software development, right? Um, is that, and, and I, I know I've, I'm, this is a yes or no question, and so the, the interviewer me says I shouldn't ask this, but is that where we should go? Is say, you know, let's let's encourage Crestron, let's encourage AMX, let's encourage, you know, Atlona and, and um, you know, Aurora to just give us the capability to develop software give us the hooks give us the apis guys uh and let us develop the software around it is that what we should do steve i, mean, I, I, think, I, I was going to say i think that the that that approach is is an answer to 
dealing with the, the the ups and downs and the pressures and and the and and the schedules of the industry. If when you're when when or, or I and when I say that I mean what, what you mentioned Patrick is doing. It's it's it, it's a way of being able to not have to be tied to a project schedule and not have to be tied to a a, um, a certain type of a workflow and and those those bottlenecks. I mean it's it's great when it's busy. But it, but uh, and and you have and many times you have more work than you can do. But then how do you keep busy when there isn't enough work to do? And and you know being able to do something on more of a development scale, you're kind of choosing your own pace and you're and and you're coming up with a solution that 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 you have more ownership over. You have more you have more you own the project rather than being somebody who who ha has to fall into a big bigger master plan. Um, you know, so that, and I know you asked a couple of different questions there, but that that was one thing I wanted to comment on. All right, Mr. Fergosa, same to you. I'm going to voice what is potentially an unpopular um, viewpoint, but I, for me, I, it's just I see the trends going to this. Um, there is a push, very quickly, to eradicate the programming quote unquote middle class. Okay. They are going. They, 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 as part of what we've known as control systems programming, will cease to exist within, I think, the next three to five years. Okay, not, then let, let's do this. Define that that middle class for me, then. So you have um, th there there are software developers, which was Steve was talking about. These are people who are, because again, with the, the manufacturer. So kind of a a, a perspective. Fifteen years ago, if you looked at the major automation players, Crestron, AMX, Extron, who, whoever you have, were dealing very much in proprietary programming constructs. Yes. Their language structure was only for their specific products because we didn't have things like IP-controlled devices, right? We didn't have TCP IP to deal with the communication. There was barely anything like a web page where you grabbed information from. There were very few connected devices. Okay, So we were able to stay isolated in terms of the tools that we use. You, you could get away with being closed, make a lot of money doing it, and have guys that were just banging around. I mean, you could have a group of guys and you know like Levecchia would say who would be the the file save as guys like me right you know oh you need to make a change from this VCR from the Panasonic VCR to the Sony VCR oh file save you know five minutes that'll be X amount of dollars sir thank you very much you know I mean you could you were making a living just changing devices yeah. right getting the call just to change a device from X to Y fast forward now and you can look at all of the manufacturers Although they're not open architecture, they see the writing on the wall that if they do not work to at least embrace the greater technology push that's coming in with the Internet of Things or whatever else you want to say, the, the BYOD movement or the mobile movement or anything else, if they don't find a way to play nice with everybody else out there, they will stop being there. At some point, because somebody's just going to come in with a lot more firepower, a lot more reach, a much better marketing wing, and say, "Yeah, see, these guys are really not—they're not valid anymore," because everything else that we got, we sold a hundred million of these things last quarter. Which would you rather have, the company that's doing a hundred million of these things, or the guys that did a couple of thousand of these things? And and so what's happened is that that 
where I'm going to with this this programming in a middle class is that there was a group of people who didn't necessarily have a software background. They didn't have a computer science background that were installers or technicians or, or um, uh, you know, uh, project managers who had a technical aptitude, technical aptitude who could be trained on the specific tools of that primary vendor and make a good living. You know, again, same kind of thing, drawing a couple of buttons on the touch panel, making a change here, push out a video conferencing system, you know, do a home theater and a multi-room audio system, dot, 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 right? There was a living to be made there, nice and in the middle. Just take a look at what the manufacturers have released just in the past year. Configurable tools, point and click. You can set up a six-room music system with uh, video switching and touch panels and an iPad interface, and you just click a couple of buttons over here on this touch panel, and voila, here you go. Now, does it do everything? Is it custom? Nope, it's not. But guess what? It fills the need at the price point of that middle of the, of the road project. So what's happened is that that profitability, which used to be the meat for a lot of integrators and programmers, it's evaporating. So you're left with two things now. You're left with guys that you can kind of sit there and just send out in the field and point and click and click send and make sure that the processor's online, or you have software developers who are saying, I have something unique that I'm offering. I have a skill set and a value add proposition because I do more than just load some canned code that I've been doing for three years into a processor and charge you a premium for. I mean, and that, that's the dirty little secret right now. So, you know, again, just like the margin in TVs and everything else has gone away, that fat margin that was right in the middle, it's gone because people are looking and saying, you know, again, with, with configurable systems and this and, and, you know, video conferencing and audio codec and, um, you know, a couple of displays and, and this, you know, well, we've got kind of a canned package. This is like 80% of what we need. Why would we pay you a premium if we can pretty much get this out of the box? You know, and again, I'm simplifying things, but that's the trend. And so... You know, where what's happened, and, and again, I'm not seeing a lot of young programmers coming into the industry. Most of the guys that I meet that are in the control side of things are around my age. You know, they're anywhere from 30 to 50-ish. Um, you know, because again, most of us, Steve, myself, you know, Mr. Lavecchia, we, we all started when, um, you know, when it was, it was, we were cowboys. You know, we, we, were, we were absolutely just walking around and saying, hey, nobody's done this before. I'm bringing something because I'm a really smart guy and I can get I, I can get this done for you. You know, it may be at a at a price point, you know, that that pinches you a little bit, but you know it'll be done. And what's happened is that the the manufacturers looking and saying, you know, we need to find a way to set the minimum bar, you know. Is it pretty? Is it custom? You know, we're getting away from that. You know, that that custom concept is being pushed more and more away because we're finding that consumers and in the workforce they're like, yeah, I can live with 80% of that stuff, you know? And so now what's happened is that the, the guys that are really, really good are going out and saying they're, they're providing product almost, you know, at that point, um, you know, they, they are becoming VARs, value added resellers of that product. They're sitting on top of it and saying, I'm taking the base stuff and I'm making it better. I'm making it special. I'm making it unique, but that's a skill set at that point that again, that middle class of programmer, they're not going to have. They don't. They 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 haven't been trained. They haven't been educated, and they haven't been set on a path of 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 of, of education to become software developers necessarily, because that is an investment in resources and time. And what happens? These companies get busy. And I mean, again, it's 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 you wind up eating your young 
along the way with these companies. This is like, I'm too busy, I'm too busy, I'm too busy. I can't get these guys up and, and build them up. So next thing you know, you you know, you finished all of the work and all of a sudden you looked at the market and it's gone. It's like, you know, look at the satellite TV guys. I mean, you can see these things in 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 many of the industries out here. And and again, the tech industry is a perfect model for it. How many guys are out there selling, you know, servers now? You know, how many people do you see selling servers or you know, switches or all of these things. I mean, all of these hardware-based, um, profitable, meaty projects that are going going the way of the dodo. And um, you know, from our industry, I I I, I look at it as saying, you know what, it, it's it's you've got a choice. You can either have 40 guys that are point and click, and you pay them a modest amount, you know, kind of the 40 guys in the truck and roll them out. Or you become a true software developer, and and you we're seeing more and more that line, that hard line being drawn, and that middle line starting to go away. And so, um, I mean, we're seeing it in residential, absolutely, you know. And again, and I think it's great in in the respect that at that at least from a control from the perception of the control industry, you're not seen as the problem. So many times the programmer is seen as the problem, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You know, oh, I've got a bad crest run system, I've got a bad AMX system. No, you had a bad deployment. You know, I mean, the manufacturers, that's the common gripe. So they're now making an active push to remove that objection because they have to, because they've got the barbarians at the gate from the greater tech industry saying, adapt or die, baby. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this also. Someone, something that you said was, you know, the fact that, that the, the user, the actual true end user, the, the clients are okay with 80%. Part of that, though, is is the proliferation of technology, Right. 20 years ago when you guys started, and I say you guys because I haven't been doing it for 20 years, um, there were push buttons, right? I mean, the, the, the first grayscale, you know, actual graphic interface didn't come along until sometime in the 90s. Before then, it was I did just... a jig when I, when I got 16 colors on a touch panel. Because <laughs> that was up you from You were lucky four. you had colors. Oh, no, I'm saying that's up from four. From colors. black, white, light gray, and dark gray. You know, again, like I said, the actual colors. I mean, it, it's... You know, when we had, we had, you, you had two choices. You had amber <laughs> and black. And and when was that, Mr. Fergoza? 1991. Wow. Never mind. All right. So <laughs> you, you, you had those, right? And, and if anybody ever had a, a graphical interface that you physically touched, that was their first experience, right? Fast forward 25 years. And all of us have something in our pockets, right? All of us have, you know, our kids have, 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 have user interfaces that are graphical and they're touch, you know, enabled. Um, you know, Panasonic or Pandora or Spotify, they don't customize that interface for every single user. They do it once, right? And they'll refresh it. They do it once, and it is what it is, and you use it how, how you use it, and yeah, you can provide feedback, and if they get enough feedback, they'll adjust it and do a refresh. But they don't, they don't do this you know, for every single person. Same thing with, with a lot of these simplified control systems, these middle-of-the-road, these, these middle-class control systems. It, it's, it's one of those things where, you know what, it, it's, it goes back to good enough, and it goes back to usability, really. Um, they are becoming more and more used to this. This is the interface, and we'll figure it out. And if if they want it adjusted, kind of everybody in the company. Let's say from a corporate standpoint, everybody in the company needs to needs to have it adjusted. Otherwise, 
it's not going to be you know uniform across across everything so Alrighty, um steve well what, i mean and you bring you up a good point i'm, I'm sorry i mean that's right is, and again i you know i i sometimes am being categorized as the um you know the chicken little of this industry but the fact is is that mobile mobile's killing it you know why and there's a and there's a very simple reason why you no longer have a five eight ten thousand dollar investment in a piece of hardware that by the minute it gets installed within a calendar year the new better brighter thing is coming on for another ten thousand dollars and then you extrapolate that over 50 boardrooms right yeah how, how long did the commercial industry and the residential industry just say that this BYOD thing and this iPad and tablet thing is just a passing fad, right? <laughs> We're seeing for the first time a bottom-up approach, right? The consumer is driving the technology needs, not the quote-unquote technology experts. And that's causing a lot of people that are used to the way it was to get really cranky about it because for a simple reason. Why is Pandora doing it or, or why are these companies providing a simplified interface? Because there is a hundred million possible users out there who are using that. Yeah, not a couple of thousand, not tens of thousands. Tens and hundreds of million potential users. Yeah. And the devices that they're being offered are being offered at a fraction of what our industry is offering it as. So, you know, again, they'll, they'll upgrade, they'll change the technology, and, you know, a, a, a purchasing department has less of an issue upgrading, you know, a six or $700 device than a $10,000 device. So they're willing to go into that. It's good enough. I mean, it's just simple economics at that point. So the, the need for custom, and again, it's, it's we feel custom is more important a lot of times more than our user does. And yes. we place a lot more importance on what should be there than our user does. And, and, and there's some hubris, I think, from an industry standpoint that's being corrected. Uh, and again, I mean, I, I read it. You know, I see it. I've written it. You know, I've been that. You know, I've been that guy. I've been the know-it-all. And the fact is, is that, um, you know, again, kind of this, this middle class of program is coming out is that the, we, are become, we will become more and more um, responsible to what the market dictates than what we dictate to the market. And I mean, I, I think think you're making a lot of good points, and and I think that there certainly is a dividing line there, and and I think that now now it it, it really um, does make us come full circle about talking about the idea of the shortage of programmers and and this configurable idea or the off-the-shelf solutions really do address that and I think that, that you know of course that's one of the strategies as well as to lower the cost of getting a system done and, and, and getting it done quicker um, however I, I one of the things that I I get concerned about or or I, I I'd like to make sure that the, the users are aware is what are those limitations what happens if you want to do something beyond one step beyond what is within that sandbox and and there has to be some education there but but is it is it 
sometimes that they ask for that or is it and is that a true requirement or is it a nice to have and and when and i mean i think of things of course from a corporate uh, perspective and and i think that they're used to spending money and getting what they want and and, I, and i'm sure residential is the same when you're talking about about bigger projects but the uh, you know what what is that dividing line look like and how often do you, do you end up crossing it and and uh, I, you know, I can see huddle rooms and and smaller conference rooms that that are a little bit more plain vanilla to be be very easily handled without the need of a custom program. But but I think that there is a point where you need to be able to have systems that that are expandable and and can can be kind of evolve with the user's needs and and sometimes i think that that is missed when you're talking about the, these configurable systems and, and 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 it's 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 a real conversation and a buy-in that has to have from has to be had from both parties i'm in complete agreement with you steve but what i'm 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 seeing more than anything else is that there are going to be less of those jobs for companies to compete for because the great there's going to be that shift where the guys who are you know and again it's like you know when I was in the beginning I was kind of like a lunch pail programmer you know I'm just you know checking my clock in and you know checking in and checking out and away we go that's going to be eradicated because there will be that shift towards the greater percentage of saying yeah these are configurable this is good enough and then it then the onus is put on the companies themselves saying I'm your advocate because and and that's the transformation and that's what I'm talking about is that if your focus is to be only a control systems programmer you know if that is where your focus is you better revisit your business plan quick for sure because what you're talking about Steve is the message the underlying message which we've always had is you need to be a technology provider yeah okay you need to be an advocate for whoever's hiring you, whether it's the end user, whether it's the consultant, whether it's the integrator, you have to be a value-added resource. People have to look at you and say, my projects get finished faster, you know, more professionally, more beautifully, more intuitively, um, more cost-effectively because you are involved. That is a completely different conversation than, you know, I, I can I can connect an IR signal here, and I know the difference between processor A and processor B. Completely different in terms of the deliverables, and that's a company identity. That company identity, that's an industry identity, and that's your trade identity. And that's that's what I'm the most adamant about right now, which is so the fact that you know I, I'm misnomer. <laughs> yeah, know. it it is a misnomer, and that's the point is that most of them, most of people who relate to that term, you know, and again, it's using a derogatory term a lot of times, it's just the program, you know, <laughs> right. X, Y, or Z. Yeah, we do more than that, but the fact is that if you're being pigeonholed there, that's your first problem because you're doing so much more, but you're only being seen as that, and it's easy to be the albatross, and so, um, you know, that's that's kind of the whole purpose. I think of this show is like, hey, man, all right, you know, and, and I don't like saying, I don't like saying that, you know, that you know, three years from now, you know, the, what I broke in as wanting to do, that job doesn't exist anymore. That, it's long gone. You know, I was lucky because I got in early. I don't want to tell people that. Hey, man, you should have been here 10 years ago. Um, you know, <laughs> not really a good way to, you know, to do the initial interview for prospective employees. Oh, man, I wish I had you 10 years ago because now it's like, well, 
know, what can you do? Yeah, you um, missed the gold rush. You missed the gold rush, and and that is the 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 biggest thing, which is the it's the, it's the value add proposition. Is you are now a a technology liaison. You know, you're a digital concierge. This is this is what you do. What you're talking about exactly right there is you're an educator, Steve. It's it's educating the industry, it's educating the end user, and that happens at the top level. You know, which is why are you using us? What I'm saying is that we're going to see a shrinking, mm-hmm. and we already have. We are, I mean, again, let's let's face it. We already have seen a shrinking of the single, you know, two, three-man shops that just got around and went around and would do a little, you know, law, law, you know, a law office over here or a small university here or that, you know. I mean, I remember, like I said, for me in the early 90s, I get called out of the blue to do like, you know, six or seven classrooms at 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 the large university, just just because, you know, because again, everybody's busier, and there'd be like seven or eight different programming companies there. I mean, you could go from room to room, and they were all completely different within the same school, right? You don't see that anymore. You don't. You know why? Because, again, the the consumer has gotten more educated, and I think that, you know, again, kind of being the 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 critical voice, we need to stop worrying about thinking that we always know what's best for our client, and sometimes just listen to them. And that's 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 where I, I think I'm finding. I think residential is coming around a lot more than commercial. To be perfectly honest, I think that from a commercial standpoint, um, there's still a whole lot of trying to treat your clients like idiots at times, like they don't know what they need. Um, and I'm going to tell you what you need instead of like what you're saying is I'm going to educate you on where you want to go. Mm-hmm. These are the options for you, and you and you pick what's the best solution. But yeah, I, I agree with you there. And I, you, I think you treat them up. as rational, intelligent people, and you say I'm letting you make an educated decision. Yeah. So, so if I, I guess if I, if I'm understanding you right, and, and I think you bring up a really good point, is the the idea that those that are going to be succeeding in what we do are going to be the ones that are going to be the specialists and going to be the ones that are working on these more complex and innovative solutions, but but are bringing more ideas to the table rather than just doing the routine work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it's it's kind of like you know you you'll see and you see it in commercials. You'll see um, contract um, you know technicians you know who come in at a lower rate potentially, but they're there. It's like you know you need 50 digital signage players. You need this, that, or that. Boom. You you basically it's kind of like going to the union hall, right? You know you you're going to have those two type of models. You're going to have companies that say you know I've got lower level guys, but they come out, they're on site, they do this for you, dot 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 dot. But you're not paying a premium. You know we're we're kind of offsetting that pain factor. And then you have the other companies like, yeah, we're specialists. This is, you know, we're the A team. This is what we do, baby. You know, and and um, you know, I'm here to get you from point A to point B when you need something special. And and I very rarely see companies that can do both well. Mm-hmm. All right, one one last thing as as we kind of wrap up here, guys. Um, Rich, I'm going to pick on you. You're you're interviewing a guy, right? Or better yet, in something that happens to all three of us somebody emails you or, or catches you at a trade show and says, you know what, I'm excited about this industry. I've got a computer science degree. I'd love to get in, into the industry. What's your advice? And and don't tell me you should have been here 10 years ago. Uh, so, Steve, <laughs> we'll start with you. You know, I, I'm a brand new programmer. I'm, I'm 21, 22 years old, got my computer science degree. I'm, I'm excited. What What is your advice of, uh, as, as, I, as I enter into this industry? It, it, it's funny because uh, I it, it's kind of happened to me recently, and I, and I'll share more at a at a later date as, about the specifics. Uh, but but I, I I think the the idea that you you need to um, 
find a way to find a mentor. You need to look for a position that is, that I mean, for, first off, our industry has a lot more to offer than just AV, and it and it and I think that if we look at our, ourselves as just being limited to AV and 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 the stigma that AV has had, we're we're selling ourselves way, way too short. We you know we our identity needs to include we we are uh, the a a provider that works with. IT and and is part of IT and and is uh, you know really really we, we help people communicate and I think the there's an excitement there first off but the the idea of how do you get in is is working alongside of somebody who's going to show you the ropes there's a certain amount of this that is learned but but I think the vast majority of it is experienced and and being somebody who is open-minded and 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 is willing to learn there's there's a you know, certainly a creative part of it, but but there's uh, a, a lot of it has to do with, with learning a lot about a little about a lot of things, and that's how, that's how you really are successful at this. And and uh, the, having the skills and the logical thinking is, is the foundation, and then being able to put that to good use and to problem solve and troubleshoot and and be able to 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 have a good handle on on w how to steer the uh, a customer and have those conversations and be be personable i think you know all it, it's a, such a a mix and and it's, it's and that's what makes what we do so interesting and unique um, the but but the you know the idea of getting uh, in on, on the ground floor with a company that it, that is offering positions say as a junior programmer or an intern or or even a, you know a field um, tech that that has the future goal of growing into being a programmer. You know that I think even taking somebody's program in the field and and doing testing and and interfacing w with somebody who is willing to help you understand what's going on, uh, I, I think the. That, that that's a good career path for for succeeding in this industry and, and unfortunately like rich said the the easy jobs don't exist so much anymore so breaking in is becoming a little harder um, so so I think I think you have you have to pay your dues and you have you have to you have to learn from experience and and uh, you know take take the opportunity to to uh, work under somebody and, and do some of the dirty work for for a little bit of time before you can actually uh, get to to a point where you, you can can work on your own and and uh, and, and elevate yourself to being a, a full programmer. All right, Uncle uh, Uncle Richie, same same question to you. Give give me some advice as I enter into the world of programming. I think that's the nail part of it, which is that you know, are are you up, a are you ready to pay your dues? Um, this is not a you step in not like the tech industry. It's not like you came out of the C, you came out of a top flight CSI you know, CS program and you've got 15 different startups who are going to offer you this or you're going to come in as a programmer and make $160,000 out of the shoot because that's what the market is here, you know, in San Francisco, right, for, for somebody with those skills because there's a larger pool. But do you want to do something cool? Do you want to have fun? Do you want to find something that may be different? And do you want to find a way to have your voice um, heard, you know, because, you know, you're not necessarily going to have your unique voice heard in a company of 20,000 people. Yeah. So if you want to be able to have your voice heard in a company of five to ten people, and if you want to make an impact, and you want the ability to learn. And, and again, I think that that's really a telling, telling guys in coming in is that if you want to come in, if you want to make the effort, then 
make sure that you are partnering with somebody who is going to invest in giving you the tools necessary to be valuable, not just as a, as a coach hockey, but again, the technical training, all of these things where, where it's more so than ever, the onus is on the business owners to invest in their workforce. And just yeah. because I'm too busy is not a good enough reason. Because if you always wait until, because <laughs> if you always wait until you're not busy, well, you're going to get so not busy that the kid you brought in, you're going to say, ah, sorry, I don't got work for you, kid. I, I got to let you go. Yeah. You know, so it, it's, it's, you, again, you're, you're cutting your nose to spite your face. And so what, what I see at that point is, is it's not only for the person coming in, but it's for the person who's going to do the hiring is what, what are you going to invest? You know, are you going to, are you willing to mentor this? Are you willing to nurture? Are you willing to build this person into potentially, you know, running their own company? And that's, and that's really what I look at is that, um, especially coming into this industry is how much of a burning desire do you have to be an entrepreneur? Because if you're, goal is just to kind of come in and punch a clock and do these things, then we, we may want to have a little bit of a longer talk about what this job is really about. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, that is going to do it uh, us for us. Uh, with us has been uh, Steve Greenblatt, Chief Everything at Control Concepts. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Great to be back and uh, looking forward to uh, talking with everybody again soon. Uh, actually, uh, if there are, there are uh, listeners out there who have ideas or want to be guests, uh, please, please reach out. We don't want to talk to anybody. What are you doing? We don't, <laughs> we don't like people. Uh, how can people find you, sir? I'm joking. Obviously, yes, he's right. Uh, how can people find you? Uh, you, you can reach me. Uh, my website is controlconcepts.net. I'm on Twitter and, and uh, many of the other social media platforms at Steve Greenblatt. And uh, you and I will be uh, actually talking to, about this topic uh, similar uh, with a uh, commercial integrator coming up on a webinar about yep. uh, how to work with different control platforms. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, also, uh, Uncle, Fergo Uncle, Fergoza. Uncle Richie uh, at R Fergoza is his Twitter handle. Thank you, sir. And you can also find me on uh, Fergosa Design and uh, CEPro.com and on the other assorted interwebs. And obviously, uh, it must have been a while since uh, Uncle Richie's been away from the podcast because I obviously decided to just throw, just napalm this whole show. <laughs> you had, you had you things to get off your chest. Uh, one thing, real quickly, and I wanted to thank Rich for this. Um, we, uh, I help out the, the the folks over at CI, at Commercial Integrator, and uh, got an email uh, from our our friend Tom LeBlanc about a couple things and asking what I saw at Cedia, and, and Steve did as well from a commercial side. And I mentioned your your friends over at Watercop, um, who um, it, 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 it's it's freaking cool. First of all, it, it's a sensor. And a shutoff, an automated shutoff valve for your water uh, main. I'm simplifying it. If you check it out, and it's on. Rich did a, a video of it at, at CE Pro, and, and and Tom wrote about it at, at CI. It's so practical and mm -hmm. kind of slapped your forehead cool that it was awarded one of the ten best uh, products, uh, one of the Cedia products. Uh, it was it was it was given one of the ten best new products at Cedia. Yeah, it's cool. And and for for a personal thing. They're like right outside my door. I mean, it's it's they're they're here in Saint in the St. Louis area. So, I was like, I know where that is. It's a small little town called St. Clair, um, Missouri, 
I'm like, I know where that is. And so we got to talk and then sure enough, they're, you know, they're, they're just around the corner from me. So that was kind of cool. Um, if it, cool. yeah, uh, don't follow me. I, I, I guess mine is still, my Twitter is still active, I guess. Uh, but go by the website, if you would please, avnation.tv, avnation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others. Um, we are wrapping up 31 posts in 31 days. Uh, it's something we do to celebrate AV month, honestly. So we've done a, a different article, post, or show every single day this month. We'll wrap it up this Saturday on the 31st. I uh, have a brand new show uh, called Connected uh, with David Danto. Uh, he looks at the Internet of Things um, and all the things that are surrounding that when it comes to AV. Uh, we have a brand new AV social. We have all sorts of, of bloggers from this month. Uh, Victoria Ferrari um from um from synergy ct uh, out of houston came up to cedia uh with us and helped us out and she writes from her perspective from a, a commercial perspective her experience at her first cedia so which was a great write-up i read it this morning yeah it was it was really good it was really really cool and it, it, i was excited to, to get her perspective right because she spent all of her career in, in in pro in commercial right so it was it was it was really cool uh, and she also did some interviews for us for you, so you can check those out on our YouTube page. So, but yeah, let's start at avnation.tv. avnation.tv, thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. This has been a state of control. Mm-hmm.